I'm going to read the passage now, if you would follow along either on your bulletin or James 3, 7 to 18. Oh, uh, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Please bow your heads. Father God, we thank you for today, and um, we just pray for your presence here on this property, and um, we just thank you for allowing this community to meet um, every Sunday, and we just pray that uh, you will draw us close and teach us this morning. To your son's name we pray, amen. This is going to be in the back. I'm on. All right. Good morning, everyone. If you're new this morning, I'm glad you're here. Uh, My name is Brian, and uh, we will uh, open up God's Word and study together um, the book of James. We are uh, right in the middle of the book of James, and this morning we are going to look at um, our need for wisdom. I just spent the, uh, the last week with, I guess, 12, 13-year-olds at a, a week in Cooperstown, New York at a baseball tournament, which was great. There were over 100 teams all across the country, and Malibu sent a group of boys, uh, and Chase, my oldest boy, was one of those, and just a great time. But one of the takeaways from that was just the reminder of the necessity of wisdom and making good choices. One of the things that wisdom does is that it prevents you from hurting yourself or others by keeping your God-given desires in their right place. Wisdom will prevent you from hurting yourself or others by keeping your God-given desires in their right place. I'll give you a couple of examples. I was sitting uh, outside uh, the barracks at a picnic table, just hanging out, killing some time before a game. And one of the things that the boys do at this tournament is they collect pins. They make these little metal pins. And when the boys come together from all over the country, they trade pins. And uh, every group thinks their pin is the coolest and, and more valuable than others. But the most valuable pins are the pins given away by the umpires. They are the rarest. It's all about supply and demand. And one of the boys had, uh, I overheard a conversation, had a, one of these rare pins from the umpire, but someone had taken it. And he said, the almost exact quote was, 
If that person doesn't give it back to me, I'm going to punch him in the jaw. And I thought about that for just a moment. As, a, as adults, we are a little bit more sophisticated than that. But desires, God-given desires that we all have, when they are out of balance, or they have taken a, a role that God has not designed, it creates chaos in our lives. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt other people. A couple of examples. It is a God-given desire for you to work and provide for your family. That is a good thing. Without wisdom, though, if your life is all about work and all you do is work and you neglect your responsibilities as a husband or a parent because of work, that God-given desire to provide has fallen out of its God-given role, its God-given place. And you begin to hurt yourself and you begin to hurt other people. Your desire for food is a God-given desire to enjoy food. But when that desire for food moves out of its God-given role, you begin to hurt yourself. You begin to hurt other people. Your God-given desire for sex is God's God's created desire for us all. But when that desire falls out of its place and becomes the most important thing, you begin to hurt yourself and you begin to hurt other people. Your desire to be accepted, to be included. God created all of us to be a part of community, to be connected to other people. But when that becomes the ultimate thing or that when that becomes preeminent in our lives, we begin to do other things that will allow us to be, to allow us to access and be in the in-group. We can go on and on and on. And, and what I'm proposing to you is there is a tremendous need for wisdom in our lives of making the right choices. Young men starting off their journey of life their desire to provide for their families. Think about, if you're in your 20s right now, someday you'll get married and you have the God-given responsibility to have a job and provide for your families. Think about that right now. Those of us who are past um, entering the, the job market and the way the economy is right now, wisdom is needed for young men in their 20s, who have the responsibility to provide for their families. We can just keep going on and on and on as far as, as examples of the need for wisdom. And my intent, my desire, even as we study the book of James, is to understand, to show you that God wants to give wisdom to you. Often I think sometimes we think about church and we think about you're going to come to church and you're going to get your hand slapped for something you did wrong. And I want to try to change our perception and understanding of why we gather together and to explain and show to you that God wants to give you wisdom so he can bless you and give you a good life. James talks about a good life in this passage, a beautiful life, a quality of life that is amazing that God wants to give to you. Wisdom creates balance it connects God to reality, to what's real in your life, to what's really important. 
And one of the main problems we have in life is when those desires, those good God-given desires, become the most important thing, life becomes disconnected from reality. Life becomes out of balance. So that's one reason why we need wisdom. Wisdom prevents you from hurting yourself or other people. Now even more specifically in the context why we need wisdom, as we read this morning, the context of this passage it has to do with the tongue. The second reason why we need wisdom, according to James, is that because our tongues are out of control. They're undisciplined. Verse 7 says this, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our mouths are undisciplined, out of control, and can spew poison. We talked about this several weeks ago, but I'm, I'm guessing that just about everybody here can remember a spoken word probably years ago, maybe even decades ago, that you can still recall the pain of a spoken word that has caused damage to you. So we need wisdom to help us understand how we control our words, our mouth. So number one, our words, our mouths, our tongue are uncontrolled and spewing evil. Next, our mouths are duplicitous. James says this, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my, brother, my brother's, Bear olives or a grapevine produce figs, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James, listen, James is always just so based in reality. It's just, and, and he hits a little bit hard, but I just want to share with you that the goal or the intent of James is that we would understand and, and gain wisdom on how we want to live our lives. So, the solution, the solution to our tongues, to how we speak to each other, how we treat each other, is found in God's wisdom. And this is really the heart of the passage, God's wisdom. Um, think about just our background for a second. Some of you have had amazing fathers in your lives, where they spent time with you, where they um, taught you things, they trained you, and and just shared their lives with you. But most people have backgrounds where there are scars and there are wounds and there are missing parts to our lives. And what happens with those missing parts, in, with those missing parts is that just the wisdom of the world just slides in and begins to control and dominate our life instead of God's wisdom. And so in the passage this morning, James will talk about two different kinds of wisdom. There's an earthly wisdom and then there's a wisdom from God. And the choice really is ours of how we want to live our lives. And that's what he's proposing for us So this morning. So if your background um, has been amazing and you were raised in a home of loving parents and uh, a father who invested in you and, and loved you, that is a, a treasure. That is something I strive to be. But if not, if that is not the case, and there are missing parts of your life, that there are wounds to your life that have created patterns in your life that are self-destructive towards yourself or patterns that hurt other people, then the, the gift this morning to you is God's wisdom. 
Okay, so we will look at two different kinds of wisdom. The only solution to keeping desires in the right place and the only solution to our words is God's wisdom. So James starts out in verse 13. He says, who is wise? Who has understanding among you? Here's what he's saying. From the very beginning, he's saying this. You can, there are two things that God wants to give, or two expectations. Number one is that God wants to give you wisdom. Chapter 1, verse 5 says this, that God wants to give you wisdom. But we have to live it out. We have to apply God's wisdom to the routine of our lives. And we want to be about connecting spiritual truth just to the routine of life. And that's what James says. So number one, we are to ask God for wisdom. That is the heart of this passage. The, the pulse of the passage is that we are to be people who are asking God for wisdom. This week I was, uh, I was sitting at Starbucks trying to study a little bit, and I actually had in my earphones listening to something while I was studying, but there was a couple sitting right next to me, and they were talking uh, at a level that I could hear, so I just out of curiosity, maybe I'm nosy, I don't know, but so I turned off the volume of my of my thing I was listening to. And what caught my attention, what caught my attention was the way the guy was sitting. And it was a, a couple, probably in the early 20s, the guy was sitting up on the edge of his chair, just straight, looking right into the girl's eyes. And all, what I could get out of it was the guy had blown up at her and had just this fit of rage, and, and it freaked her out. And, and she was nervous and afraid. And she kind of wanted to end it. And I remember, here, here's what he said. This is wisdom for all of you young ladies. He sat on the edge of his chair with his eyes looking right at her. I promise, I promise, I'll never do that again. I swear, I promise to God that, that I will, and I was thinking to myself, and I had to restrain myself, I was thinking, run. Run, young lady. Run for your life. Run the other direction. Listen, here, here is the simplicity of God's truth and the brilliance of it. Wisdom helps you make right choices. You can discern. You can see things. You can see through the facade of a guy who is promising all these things that aren't true. Right? Proverbs say, can a leopard change his spots? No. Right? So the patterns you're developing right now, young men, they're going to continue on. There's wisdom that has to be said. And listen, we all have things from our families that we take and patterns and, and things that aren't so helpful. That's why I'm saying to you, if I can even apply this to that young couple, young men, ask God for wisdom. Acquire wisdom. Young ladies, Seek discernment. Seek understanding. It is invaluable. In fact, just really fast, Proverbs chapter 1, the whole book of Proverbs is about acquiring wisdom and the brilliant simplicity of it. And it begins, or the summary of Proverbs chapter 1 is this. It says this, talking about the beginning of wisdom. Number one, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And here's what this means. It's not, it's not primarily that we're afraid of God. It's that we understand who God is. And there is an awe about God. Okay? 
There is an awe about God's power. Here's one way to think about it. Think about, and the Bible uses this quite a bit. Think about an if-then statement. So if, if God is all-powerful and knows everything about you, yet he still loves you, how will that affect your life? If God knows every sin, every thought, everything that you've done in your past, if that's true, but he forgives you and he wipes it clean, how does that affect how you live? So the awe, the fear of the Lord is this. We all think about our own lives, not think about anyone else. That's who God is. If that's true, and I believe it is, that God still loves you, that should create awe in your life. Because we all know the things that we've done. But there's forgiveness. So the beginning of wisdom is learning about who God is. God is omnipotent. God is holy. God is pure. God is eternal. He is loving. He is sovereign. He's in complete control. And he cares about each person individually. How does that then affect how you live? Well, what it should, the effect should be that we ask God for wisdom. That he, despite our flaws, and he still loves us, he wants us to live in a way that honors him. So James begins, who is wise and understanding among you? <clears throat> Number one, we ask God for wisdom. And then it is our desire, our responsibility to live it out. And so now here, let's contrast the two, the two wisdoms. Okay, so James says, who's wise, who's understanding? How do we differentiate the wisdom of the world and the wisdom from above? So here's how we'll do this. Number one, we'll look at the deceptive wisdom. The deceptive wisdom. And that is found in verses 14 through 16. Okay, so here's what, we'll break it up into three ways. Number one, the source of the deceptive wisdom. The source of the deceptive wisdom. The characteristics of deceptive wisdom. And then what will show up in your life with the deceptive wisdom. So number, number one, the source of this deceptive wisdom, verse 15 says this, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. James is saying there is a type of wisdom that does exist in the world, but it is not from God. It is earthly. It is restricted to this world, to the ways of this world. In fact, he goes on to say it's demonic. It's inspired by the enemy. It completely opposes anything from God. So there is a wisdom of this world that is the opposite or the antithesis of how God wants us to live. The characteristics of it, found in verse 14. You're self-centered. You promote yourself. There's bitter jealousy. There's the desire to promote your own agenda, your own desires, an intense desire to promote your own opinion at the exclusion of others, confident you have all the answers and everyone else is wrong, things that just show up in the way of the world, in the routine of life. Selfish ambition, intense desire to meet your own needs. Look where he says they are. He says that they are in your heart, verse 14. And this would, this would cause us just to pause for just a moment. Thinking about these things, that these things are in our hearts. And what we can do is we can easily put up a facade. 
and look a certain way and present a certain picture that we want people to think of us. But he says, these things can be in our heart. What will show up in your life? Here's what will show up in your life if you pursue the worldly wisdom. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder. The worldly wisdom will produce chaos, will produce disorder. There's something about this, when we think about this just for just a moment, as far as disorder and chaos and how the internal angst that that creates in our lives. Think about this for a moment. When we're our families, we've all experienced this before, my own family, we feel like it's just, it's in a place of disorder and how it creates internal anxiety. That is the wisdom of the world. Self-centeredness, selfish ambition, promoting your own agenda. It produces every vile practice. The problem with this is that it is so enticing. This is what appeals to our flesh. Listen, we all like to get our own way. We all like to get our own way all the time. And that is the wisdom of the world. That's what James is saying. There's two different, there's a contrasting type of wisdom. Let's look at the real wisdom. Think about wisdom in this way. The wisdom that God wants to give you is wisdom that connects to reality, to what's real. Worldly wisdom distorts reality. And that's one of the most important things we can learn, really, especially for younger people of learning what connects to reality. So often we're blinded by our own desires, our own way of thinking. We know what's right. And God is offering us a gift of a way of life that connects to God and what is real. So here's the source. The source of this wisdom is that it is from above. Verse 17 says this, but the wisdom from above, that is the source. In verse if you have your Bible, just turn one page back to chapter 1, verse 5. It says this. This is so important. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. Nobody wants to take anything from you this morning. The message is about God giving you his wisdom, and he wants to do it with generosity. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do for you this morning. The characteristics of this real wisdom, go back up to verse 13. They're not words. It's not talking all the time. It's not talking the right game, but it's a lifestyle. He says it's by his good conduct. Let him show his works in the humility of his wisdom. Who is wise? Who has understanding? Who has the ability to live life well? Who has the ability to live a beautiful life? a life that is free from just continual chaos and internal anxiety. It is the person who is regularly asking God in humility to give me wisdom. It is the, it is the regular part of my prayer life to ask God for wisdom. Uh, and I've mentioned this before just briefly, but Growing up without a dad, growing up with, later on with an alcoholic stepdad who I care for deeply still to this day, and I'm close to him, but there was a missing element into my life. 
And I would be foolish as the father of three boys to not be regularly asking God to help me gain understanding, gain insight into how to be a father. See, that's what, that's, this is how wisdom helps. It connects to reality. That is, that's my reality. That was my life. And we all have our life stories. And what I'm saying to you is don't disconnect from your own reality and the hurt or the pain or the struggle that you've had as a child, as a teenager, growing up, as a 20-year-old, just the mistakes we all make. Live in reality. Live in humility and ask God to help give you wisdom. It requires humility in your heart. It's the life of Christ who is obedient to the will of his Father. Wisdom is this. Wisdom says this. It's the ability to think this way. I know what needs to be done. Wisdom or wise people are people who live close to God, who have a godly character, who have discernment, who can see things that people who are lacking wisdom cannot see. One of the, fr- one of the benefits of, um, of being friends with lifeguards is they see things in the ocean that normal people don't see. They see dangerous things. They see riptides or they see things that just regular people miss. And here, this is, this is what wisdom does for us in life, which is far more important than a day at the beach, right? A day at the beach and lifeguards are great, but we're talking about your life. And wisdom will give you the ability to see clearly. Here, here's the second part of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to see where the choices, the choices you are making today where they will lead in the future. You're able to see, okay, I'm making these choices today. Where will this choice lead to me in the future? I'm yelling at my kids all the time because they won't obey. Where does that lead to the future? How does that impact the future? Well, the impact in the future is that I'll have a disconnected relationship with my children when they're 18. When you demean your wife, how is that going to impact your relationship with your wife 10, 20 years down the road? If you work all the time, how does that impact your family down the road? If sex is working itself out in your life in a realm that God did not design, how does that work itself out in your life in the future? Wisdom gives you the ability to see things clearly. And that's what God wants to give to you. Understanding is the ability to see the steps that you need to get to that place. You're well informed. You are not ignorant of the truth. Wisdom and understanding is the ability to see how today's decisions impact your future. He goes on to say this. Wisdom defined in verse 17. This is what will show up in your life when you acquire wisdom. Verse 17 says this, the wisdom from above is first from God, and here's what will show up in your life. Number one, James says, purity. That there will be a single source of direction in your life. When you acquire God's wisdom, and when you acquire God's understanding, there will be a purity to your life, a holiness, a sense of direction to your life. Next, he says, peace will show up. What a beautiful thing peace is. 
If you're living with anxiety and fear and worry, pray for God's wisdom. He promises, promises to give it generously and peace will show up in your life. Peace is the idea of this. Stop trying to win the argument, but win the person. Win the relationship. Stop trying to be right all the time and start trying to understand from somebody else's perspective. Gentleness will show up. Gentleness is the ability to be considerate, to make allowances for other people's mistakes. How are you on that? Do you allow other people to make mistakes? Dads, do we allow our children to make mistakes? Next, he says, you are open to reason. Will you consider someone else's opinion? Are you always right? Wisdom will allow another voice into your life for you to consider it. Next, he says, mercy and goodness. Compassionate. But you do things the right way. That there is a gentle humility about how you go about the things you do. Not an arrogant, pushy, irritating way. Next, he says, impartial. No discrimination. You're consistent with everybody. That you treat people the same. He says that if you pursue God's wisdom, you will be sincere. You're not playing games with people. Guys, you're not playing games with your girlfriends. You're open, you're honest, you're genuine. This is the kind of wisdom that is available to us all because God promises to give it to us. He concludes verse 18 and says this, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The overarching theme of asking God for wisdom is that peace will show up in your life, that a lifestyle of, of wholeness. And maybe even a better way of thinking about this in, in uh, a biblical context is the word shalom. And we've talked about this before, but that is the idea of completeness, of whole, that the, nothing's lacking in your life doesn't mean that things that we get things just how we want them all the time on our schedule, but it means that God's wisdom will produce shalom in your life, wholeness, completeness in your life when you trust his wisdom. The need for wisdom is tremendous. Whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it doesn't matter. The need for wisdom is tremendous because it prevents you from hurting yourself it prevents you from hurting other people. It helps you control the way you speak. It produces peace in your life. My, uh, my hope, my intent, is that we would be a community of people that are living in reality. That we don't dismiss what's really happening in our lives. And that we deal with our problems and we address them with wisdom that God wants to give us. The perfect example of the wise life is the life of Jesus Christ. A life of humility, a life of understanding, a life of peace, 
yet obedience to the Father. As a community of believers, and if you're here this morning who are just curious about Christianity and you're unsure about it all, we're glad you're here. And we want to say to you that we are learning together what it means to follow Jesus. That we still understand we're deeply flawed people. But we're learning together. And one of the key ways we learn together in following Christ is asking God to give us his wisdom. That is uh, the prayer of my heart and the prayer for our church. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we, we ask in the name of your Holy Spirit to give us the power to live in reality, to deal honestly with the issues of our lives, but understand most importantly who you are, that you are a generous God, a giving God, who wants to give us understanding and discernment and wisdom and to be able to see clearly how the choices we make today how they will impact our future father i pray for a purity of heart i pray for humility we rejoice together that you are generous and giving and you want to give us your wisdom father i pray that as we conclude and we worship that we would see the beauty of your son, Jesus Christ, and that we would, during this time, ask for your wisdom to make wise decisions so that we live lives that honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.